0: Okay, don't team up with those who are unbelievers, for how can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? And what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? And how can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you, and I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. In chapter 7, verse 1, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. So what does all this mean? We're going to go step by step, verse by verse. The first part of it, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. What does it mean to team up? If you look at the Greek word, it goes back to that scripture, unequally yoked. Everybody knows that one, right? Do not be unequally yoked. They talk about it a lot when it comes to marriage. So what does it mean to be unequally yoked? Well, it's the it's, it's the idea, a yoke, if you don't know what a yoke is, it's a big wooden harness type thing that goes across the shoulders and the neck of the ox or of the, the animal so that they can, plow the field, and so this big heavy thing goes over their shoulders, kind of like a harness, and then they drag the plow through the field. You guys with me so far? Okay, so if you had two oxen or two donkeys or two whatever that were the same size or the same skill, it was easy work, right? But if you had an ox and a donkey, let's say, it's probably not gonna go too well, okay? It'd be like if I was trying to plow the field with Shane's mom, you know, I'd be, we're going to be like, all right, I want to get this done real fast, ready, go. I think I might go a little stronger than she might. She might last longer than I can. I'm go, <gasps> I'll be sucking wind, but it would be unequal. And the thing is, whenever you had an, a, a yoke or whenever you had two oxen or this type of situation, you have to teach the younger ox how to work with the older ox. Does that make sense? And so Again, most people think about marriage when they talk about this, but there are so many different things to it. And I've been learning a lot about yokes these past couple weeks. And Carlos knows what I'm talking about. But I've been thinking about yokes a lot because we're reading a book. Gary, who's the senior pastor for the celebration, has me reading this book about Jesus's easy yoke. Which sounds kind of strange, but let me read to you what we're coming from. It's Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And then Jesus said, come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Now, if we go back to the yoke this time with both ox, oxen, I guess is correct plural. So the way a a yoke works is you have one big ox like me, right? And then you have the young ox. Now, the young ox doesn't know how to do it yet. This is going to sound like a teenager, right? He thinks he knows how to do it, but he doesn't really know it. Like my son thinks he knows how to drive, but every time I let him drive, I have a heart attack because he's, he has the basic fundamentals, but he's just not there. He doesn't have the finesse. And so what will happen, you'll see this in farming, at least back in the day, they put the older, smarter, more savvy ox in with the young, rambunctious, silly, Easily agitated young ox. And the young ox starts doing what? He's uncomfortable. I don't like this thing on my neck. Get this thing off me. He wants to go his own way. Screw this, I'm not working today, right? And the older ox is like, come on, man. We got to do this. And so he can't get out because there's this big, heavy thing, right? And so they're plowing, and they're plowing, and they're plowing, and the young one's fighting it the whole way. And the young one gets tired, and he's going, man, why am I so tired? And the old one's going, hey, I'm good. I've done this before. I know what this is supposed to feel like. It's kind of like you know you learn how to pick things up you've been with your knees versus been with your back when you learn how to pick something up properly you could probably get through the work day right if you don't and you're doing it the hard way you're going to wear yourself out that much faster so while we're on the topic of yokes, and not listening and being rambunctious and seeing things the wrong way i got to tell you something i have to apologize to you about the uh the whale if you've been here before and you've heard us talk Both Shane and I have referenced the whale, which is a throwback to the Jonah story. If you know the Jonah story, bless you. If you know the Jonah story, Jonah is told to go do a job by God, and Jonah says, no thanks, I'm going over here. And then what happens? The whale gobbles him up, Jonah spends three days in the whale, and then the whale spits him out right back where he's supposed to be. And I identify with this because my calling in ministry was, hey, I really don't want to do this. I really have all these other things that I want to do. I'm talented in this. I want to pursue that. And every time I would chase something else, the whale would gobble me out and spit me out right on the steps of Celebration Church every time. And I tried so many other things, and I would get gobbled up, and I'd be spat out. But here's the thing. I started to see the whale as like this truant officer or like a, a cop, you know, like, man, this whale won't let me have any fun, right? Every time I want to go do something cool, here comes the whale, right? And I was like, man, if this whale, and so we made a joke, and Shane and I have talked about getting tattoos of the whale, like the whale won't let me be. I have to continue planting this church. We have to lead this church. We have to plant uncommon. We have to do this thing because the whale is going to get us. No matter what we do, we're going to end up right back here. But here's the thing about the whale. The whale isn't there as a jailer or a truant officer. The whale is there like a guardrail. The whale is there to protect you from the things that are outside of God's plan and God's will. Because let me ask you a question, going back to Matthew 11. When you're going through your life and things are difficult and things are hard and you're frustrated and you don't want to do it and you're shaking your fist at the heavens and you're going, God, why? Why is this so hard? Why isn't this working out for me? God, I'm struggling financially. God, I can't find the right person. God, we can't have kids. God, whatever it is that's that's causing you such hardship and you feel like God's keeping something from you, at least I did, And you feel like God's got this this cop of a whale or this, this thing that's stopping you from your blessings. But really, what God wants you to do is be in step with him. What God wants you to have is an easy yoke. What God wants you to have is a light burden. The problem is when we're pushing and we're fighting and we're wrestling against this yoke and it feels heavy and it feels like a burden and we're wearing ourselves out. But God says and he promises in Matthew 11, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you don't feel easy and light, it's probably a good time to reevaluate what you're doing. And so we've made the jokes about the whale. Like, man, I'd love to be doing X, Y, and Z, but you know the whale, you know? But that whale's my friend. That whale's keeping me from doing all the stuff I'm not supposed to do because eventually, when I rest and I follow his lead and I learn from the old seasoned veteran ox, then it won't feel so heavy. Then it won't feel so uncomfortable. Then I'll bend with my knees instead of my back, and I'll be able to make it through the day. And then it just becomes a part of my day. Then it just becomes another thing that I do because I'm in the right place, in the right mindset, in the right, with the right person. Does that make sense? I felt like I owed an explanation because as I'm reading this book, I'm going, man, because I talked to Gary, and he's like, is it light? I'm like, no, Gary, it's not light. (laughs) Is it easy? No, it's not easy, Gary. This is terrible. And he's like, well, look what Jesus says. And I'm going, well, Jesus is tripping because this is not. But back to the scripture, 2 Corinthians 6, we'll talk more about yokes here in a minute. But what Paul is talking about is influence. He says, do not team up with those who are unbelievers. We don't mean that he says, don't spend any time with unbelievers, because he spends a lot of time with unbelievers. And even in 1 Corinthians, he doesn't say Avoid the unbelievers. What he says is, hey, avoid the Christians who live like unbelievers. So he's not saying don't be around these people. What he's saying is don't be around the two-faced people. Don't be around the people who are, who are pretending that they're one thing, but they're not. Unbelievers, we have an opportunity to preach to them, to minister to them, to bring them into the fold. But if you have someone that proclaims Jesus but lives like an unbeliever, those are the dangerous people. Amen? So he says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers because how can, a, how can righteousness be in partner with wickedness? That's a good question. What are you allowing to influence you? What are you putting in your mind? What are you singing, the songs you sing, that you sing along with on the radio? What are you watching on television? What are you reading? What are you putting in your mind? Now, I'm not one of those guys who says you can't watch any R-rated movies. I'm going to quote and reference some R-rated movies here in just a moment. I'm not one of those guys who says you have to homeschool and keep your kids away from the world. You can only listen to 95.9 The Fish. I'm not that kind of person, but what I am going to ask you is what are you putting into your mind on a regular basis? When you get in the car and you turn on the radio, what is it that you want to listen to? Do you want to listen to something that lifts you up, something that focuses your heart and your mind on the Lord? Or do you want to listen to Ooh Baby Baby? Or do you want to listen to some rapper tell you how rich he is and how he gets all the girls? One of the best and worst things that's ever happened to me is Apple Music. If you don't know what Apple Music is, is for fort- well, it's $14.99 for the family plan. You get access to every song pretty much ever made. So if I want to hear a song, I just pull it out. What do I want to hear? Listen, Midnight Train to Georgia. Boom, boom, boom. It's there. Boom. I can even tell Siri, hey Siri, play Midnight Train to Georgia. And it'll start playing. But the funny thing is, I listen to songs that I used to dance to. I used to groove to. This is before y'all time. I'm talking about Puff Daddy, right? Notorious, Tupac. Tupac's all right. And a lot of these songs, and I'm like, yeah, I'm rapping along about all this money, cash, these girls, whoo, you know, I'm driving along in my minivan or, you know, my little SUV. And I'm like, yeah, I got it like that, right? My, my this and my that. And I'm listening to the song, and I'm going, I don't have it yet. And my kids got in the car with me one day and I had it on random and it's Drake's song, I won't tell you which one, but Drake comes on and he's dropping all the colorful words and my kids are clutching their pearls. Dad, what did he say? I'm like, this is a great song. And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, get over yourselves. And about 10 seconds into the song, I'm like, oh my gosh, what is he saying? He's talking about this young lady at the club, plus her friend. And then he's talking about this club and selling this drug because it wasn't getting this money. And I'm like, man, I'm embarrassed. What am, I, what am I showing my kids? Because we get in the car and they're like, dad, you always have us listen to the fish. Yes. But when daddy's by himself, he's listening to Drake. When daddy's by himself, he's listening to Notorious and, and Puffy and all these guys. I'm not saying don't listen to him. I enjoy Puff, but see it for what it is, right? Compartmentalize it. If that's your soundtrack to life, if every time you get in your car, it's some old BS about hip hop and this and that or rap and rock and about women and whatever, I don't know. You know that one comedian online, John B. Christie, always says, check your heart. <laughs> check your heart. Now, here's the thing. Don't follow. Who are you hitching your wagon to? Who are you getting in the yoke with? Because we want to follow Jesus. We want to have the easy, Leo, we want to have the easy burden. We want to have the easy task. But if we're putting ourselves and our mind and our hearts and our bodies into this this worldly yoke, then we're lying to ourselves. says we can't serve two masters, amen? So if Paul's talking about influence, and he's using this yoke as an example. I mean, he's really referring to Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 10. He says, you must not plow with an ox and a donkey harnessed together. We already saw that picture. But why not? Well, they pull differently. So if you say that you're a Christian, you profess to follow the Lord, you profess to live a life that is glorifying and pleasing to him, and then over here, you're talking about money, cash, hoes, and whatever over here, then you guys are going in different directions. You understand what I mean? We're talking about yokes, and yokes are kind of crazy. I thought, why don't we bring it to like a more contemporary idea? So I want to give you an example of something that's not as crazy or old-timey as a yoke. Let's talk about a three-legged race. Everybody knows what that is, right? Maybe at the church picnic, you have to tie your leg together and go. So we have two videos. The first one is an easy yoke. Look at these guys go. They're like the world record of (laughs) 3 races. Those guys are amazing. (laughs) Now that's what I'm talking about, working together and getting where you want to be. Those guys had a plan. They had their gait. (laughs) They had their pacing. They knew what they were going to do. We're gonna step off with the left foot. You know, they had a plan. They were working together. It looks like they've done this before. That's what it's like when you're with Jesus. But the other side of the coin is when you're doing it the wrong way, it looks kind of like this. (laughs) My favorite part is when that lady, they win and then she gets yanked off her feet. These guys are not on the same page. I thought when I was thinking about yokes, I thought nobody knows what a yoke is. Nobody's out there farming. We're in Santa Ana. Nobody's farming out here. But I thought what could be like a yoke? Three-legged race. So here's the thing. This works with marriage. They talk about, you know, don't be unequally yoked. You wanna find someone that shares your values, believe what you believe so you can walk in steps, so you can accomplish the same goals, so you can cross the finish line, and you're not falling down and looking like those guys. But we talk about teaching. Teachers and teaching, if you go to a church where all they tell you is what you want to hear and make you believe that you're doing the right thing, hey, you might feel like you're in the easy yoke, but in reality, you're tripping in both respects. When we say the world, what do we mean? We mean the world apart from Jesus. Everything is to serve and glorify God except man had free will and we messed it all up. But the world apart from God means the people and the things that, that we rebel against God's goodness and his plan for his people. We have this concept that we know what's best. Going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, we have this idea that we know what's happening. And so what Paul is saying is don't partner with these unbelievers who live in a way that is that is against God's plan and God's will. And we, we see this in Romans 12 too, which is our one of our cornerstone verses. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Do not conform, other translation, but be transformed. So as you go through your day, are you conforming? Are you being transformed? Are you transforming others? Every day you have an opportunity to be different or to be the same. Every day you have a chance to be uncommon or to be common. You have a chance to be of Jesus or of the world. You have a chance to be easy yoke or hard yoke. And sometimes this yoke might feel easier. Sometimes it's easier just to get along. When people at work are talking about X, Y, and Z, it's easy to get in and fit in the conversation. Like, yeah, man, I saw that movie. Oh, yeah. And you're one of the guys. And you're like, yeah. And then somebody comes to your desk and goes, hey, man, aren't you a pastor? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah jesus jesus right you don't want to be that 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 double life don't be a double agent don't be secret agent man when it comes to the lord verse 16 paul talks about idols are idols still an issue we already talked about idols in 1 corinthians chapter 8 right when he was talking about the food for the idols and don't worship these idols so why are idols still an issue i'm going to tell you why idols are still an issue this is why idols are still an issue have you seen this before If you can't read it, it says, my grandma had this picture on her mantle because she thought it was Jesus. It's Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) So he is not Jesus. He is a Jedi. He's a really good Jedi. But hold on, this is funny, but at the same time, I want you to think about this. Every day this woman went to her prayer room, her war room, her place of worship, and she sat down or she knelt down and she looked at this actor and prayed to this actor and said, oh, Ewan McGregor, if only you could deliver me from whatever it is I'm struggling with. What I'm talking about is her misplaced faith. What I'm talking about is if we have these idols, these things that we worship, these things that we belong and we believe and we put our hope and our faith in this picture, or if we can't focus or praise God without a, a stained glass or a picture or a book, there's all these things, especially in other churches, other denominations, they have murals and all these things where they just turn and face the mural of St. Christopher. Oh, man, right? There are all these things. There are no idols here. We have it in our core values. There are no images of Jesus. No images of God. Because he already has an image. We don't have to create one because nine times out of ten when we create one, we make them look like us. Have you seen Asian Jesus? He's out there. Go to Korean church, they got Asian Jesus. Oh, yes. Black people are convinced that Jesus is black. Ask a black person. Jesus was black. He came from Africa and he looked like me. No, Jesus did not look like me. Jesus came from the Middle East. He was a Middle Eastern man. And if that bothers you, then you got to take that up with Jesus. But so many places we got blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus. We've got Ewan McGregor Jesus. We've got all these other Jesuses. And then we also put other things on the pedestal. Man, I can't get in. I, my spirit's just not served if the worship isn't like this. If they don't play this song, I just ain't going to church. If it doesn't feel like this, then I, it's just not church for me. I can't experience God if I don't have this kind of music. I can't experience God if the pastor doesn't do the, oh, the Lord, that kind of stuff. There's so many things. If he's not dressed in robes, it doesn't feel like church to me. If he doesn't have vestments and he doesn't swing the thing the 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 powder, it doesn't feel like church. If we don't all chant, "Oh, oh, 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 Jesus, right? If we're not chanting this liturgical whatever, it doesn't feel like church to me. And I'm not knocking different practices. What I'm saying is if you have to have X, Y, and Z to get to Jesus, you're doing it wrong. If you have to have this kind of music, this kind of service, this kind of teaching, this kind of liturgy, this day of the week, this time, partly cloudy outside, has to end in, you know, the day only starts with tea, whatever it is, you're creating these obstacles to Jesus and to the gospel. And when you mingle with other people, nonbelievers or Christians who behave like nonbelievers, you're being steered in that yoke away from the task at hand. You're making it harder on yourself. It might not feel harder at first, but you still got all this work to do and all this road to plow. So when you start to take these detours, when you start to go to the right or to the left, and God's saying, come straight, it makes it that much harder, and you might have to backtrack. You might have to do it twice. And so what Paul's saying is don't mingle with these people. Don't keep company with these unbelievers. And what he's saying in verses 16 through 18 is a history lesson. This is the cliff notes of the Bible. If you've never read this before, I'm going to share it with you now. Verses 16 through 18. I'm going to read it, Shane. Don't worry about it. He says, as God said, I will live in them and I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. That's verse 16. Why is that important? I'm going to tell you why. And you're going to like this. This is God's desire to be with his people. Ezekiel 37, 27. God says, I will make my home among them. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. That's God's desire. He wants to be with us. He wants to make his home among us. He wants to be our people. But we like to chase other things, and we like to go the other direction, and we struggle with the yoke, and then we look at God and say, hey, God, why isn't this easier? That's God's desire. God's warning comes from verse 17 where he says, and this one refers to Ezekiel 20, 32 to 34. This is God talking through Ezekiel. You say... We want to be like the nations all around us who serve idols of wood and stone. There's those idols again. What you have in mind will never happen. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, I will rule over you with an iron fist in great anger and with awesome power. And in anger, I will reach out with my strong hand and powerful arm, and I will bring you back from the lands where you are scattered. That sounds pretty tough, doesn't it? With anger, with my strong hand, I'm going to reach out and I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to turn that yoke back the way it's supposed to be because I need you on this path. So I'm going to take it and I'm going to twist it and I'm going to make you do it. I'm going to put you back here because I love you and I promise that I'm going to be your people. Now that part right there, as surely as I live, I will rule over you with an iron fist and great anger and with awesome power. What does that sound like? I'll tell you what it sounded like to me. It sounded like Pulp Fiction, right? Ezekiel 25, 17. I will strike down upon thee, right, with great vengeance and furious anger. Same, same book of the Bible, Ezekiel. Those who poison and destroy my brothers, right? You remember Samuel Jackson? I'm not the only person who's seen that movie, right? And you will know my name is the Lord, right? You guys remember that. Okay, if you don't, there was a picture of Sam Jackson, but it's all good. There he is. Smooth brother. Look at him. and you will know my name is the lord same thing as surely as i live says the sovereign lord i will rule over you with an iron fist in great anger and with awesome power and in anger i will reach out with my strong hand and powerful arm and i will bring you back from the lands where you were scattered holy smokes i don't want god's powerful arm and strong hand i mean i want him to bring me back but that sounds pretty uncomfortable right but we did it to ourselves. How? Because we went after the thing that felt good. We went after the thing that we thought was good, and it turned out not to be so good. If you don't know your history, the Israelites started to intermarry with all the other tribes and all these other people, and they fell off. And next you know, they were overthrown and scattered into Assyria and scattered to Babylon. They were exiled from their own land. So what Ezekiel is saying is, you guys are going to be scattered, but I'll bring you back. But it's going to be painful. So here's God's plea. Once they're in exile... God's plea, Isaiah 52, 11, God says, get out. Get out and leave your captivity where everything you touch is unclean. Get out of there and purify yourselves, you who carry home the sacred objects of the Lord. What he's saying is, you guys that are in Assyria, you guys that are in Babylon, you guys that have been exiled, get out. Turn back to me and come back home to the land that I promised you. You guys went and did these things. You followed these other unbelievers. You followed these people that were lying. You followed these these false gods. And now you're out here. But what I'm telling you is come back. Come back. God is urging the Israelites to serve him and not to turn away and serve false idols. But he knows, they'll. I mean, he knows what's happening. We all know what's happening. This is the story of the Bible, right? Until God's promise. Verse 18. Verse 18 refers to 2 Samuel, chapter 7, verse 11 through 16. Let me tell you something. If you know the Old Testament, which I think I have uh, an idea or two about the Old Testament, God continues to make covenants with Abraham, with other people, and he finally says to David, see, David wanted to build a temple. David was the king, right? He was the man. Slayed Goliath. Everything was happening. He was God's chosen king. Everything was going well. He messed up, but he was restored. He had all these sons, and he says, hey, we're going to build you a temple, God. Isn't that great? And God says, oh, no, you're not building a temple. You're not building my temple. So this is what God said to, to David. He says, furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. David's saying, let's build a temple to the Lord. And Jesus or God's saying, hold up, brother. We're not building a temple. Maybe your sons will build a temple, but you're not building the temple. But let me tell you what I am going to do. The Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and he, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. Who's he talking about? It's always the right answer in church, right? Jesus. When in doubt, Jesus. It's like a multiple choice. If you don't know the answer, just pick C, right? When in doubt, Jesus. He's saying, David, you're not going to build my house. You're not going to build my temple. One of your ancestors will build my temple. One of your people from your lineage are going to secure the throne forever. I'm going to give him everything. Your house and your kingdom will continue to be before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever. God's been saying the same thing all along. I want to be with you. Stick with me. Don't follow those other guys. If you do mess up, please come back. I'll help you come back. I'll steer this yoke. I'll steal this cart. Come on back. And you know what? Because you keep messing up, because you can't do it right, I've got a plan. i got a plan, and his name is Jesus, and he's going to secure this throne forever. At the end of the 2 uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 7, I'm sorry, 6, the last part of verse 6, and I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That word almighty, it's an ancient Greek word, which means the one whose hand is on everything. The one whose hand is on everything. That might not mean much to you, but a lot of times, especially lately, I've been looking up at the heavens, shaking my fist, asking God, why is this so hard? We talked about it. Shane had a sermon about being tired. I think I talked about when things don't go your way. We've been talking about real church, real problems, real people, real solutions. Every one of us could refer to something this week, last week, some sickness, some frustration at work, some inconvenience, something that just didn't go your way, and you go, ah, why? Why can't this be easier? We look at other people, and we go, man, that guy has it easy. Why can't it be easy for me? Man, that guy's got it made. Whew, I wish I had it made like that guy. You don't know what that guy's going through, but he sure looks good from where you're sitting, right? Right? i never promised you easy look at paul shipwrecked beaten stoned prisoned look at all the disciples all of them dead except for one martyred all of them martyred so if it was easy those guys would be you know sipping pina coladas and getting caught in the rain those guys would have it made they died horrible miserable painful embarrassing death and all of them chose it they chose it because they had a hope So my question for you is when it's hard, when the burden is heavy, when the yoke is heavy and the burden is is heavy and it's hard, and you start looking over there going, man, it would be easier to go this route. What are you going to do? Are you going to follow the path? There's this wonderful thing. I wanted to share it with you. I ran it by Jenny. She thought it was awesome, but it was too long. There's a thing, and I'll send it to you. I'll post it on Instagram. It's called The Bible Too Long Didn't Read. If you guys don't know what too long didn't read means, it's like a um, it's like shorthand, internet shorthand. If somebody posts a really long story, they'll give you like a one sentence or, you know synopsis, like for Kelly, car accident, lost my wallet, drove around, wallet was still on the car. Praise God. That's the too long didn't read of Kelly's story. Okay. This one was really awesome. I wish I had put it in, but it's really hard. What he says is, hey Genesis, God goes to Adam and Eve and he says, hey guys, this whole garden is yours. Do whatever you want. Don't do that one thing, but everything else is yours. Have fun. Adam and Eve, they go and do the thing. God comes back and says, what happened? They go, we did the thing. And God goes, guys, right? So then it says, all of Old Testament, I am your God. (laughs) Don't do the things. (laughs) People of Israel, we did the things. God says, "Wow, guys, right? And then it says, Jesus, I am the son of God. I am here to heal all people. I promise that I will deliver you because you can't seem to stop doing the things. And then, I'm going to send it, I promise you. I'm not doing it justice. But then they, it says, all the healed people, thank you, Jesus. Other people say, I bet he does the things. <laughs> and then Jesus says, I don't do the things. We're going to put you on trial for the things. Did you do the things? Jesus says, no. Pilate goes, he says he doesn't do the things. The people say, kill him anyway. And then Jesus says, guys. Right, it always ends with the guys. And then the New Testament is, Paul, hey, guys, because Jesus loves you, don't do the things. They write back to Paul, we did the things. Paul says, guys. <laughs> so it's like, it's the whole pattern and history of the Bible. Hey, guys, I gave you everything you ever wanted. Just don't do this one thing. We did the thing. Guys. Hey, guys, you're my people. I created this land of milk and honey. It's beautiful. It's yours. Just work the land. Just don't do these things. Oh, God, we did the things. Oh, guys. Okay, here's Jesus. Believe him. He's the one. He doesn't do the things. I bet he does the things. Let's put him on trial for the things. You know? It's just this pattern where God gives us something amazing and we say, ah, not good enough. Let's take this. Let's see what's over here. It's like those games. Remember Who Wants to Be a Millionaire where they had all these, the the suitcases to open? Might be a little old for you. But you open the suitcase, it's like 125 grand and they're like, let's keep going. I'm like, no, take the 125 grand and run. But they keep going for the million dollar thing and they end up with $50. (laughs) Was I the only guy who watched that show? It was terrible. God has everything that you need. He's given it to you, and if you operate in his easy yoke, the burden will be easy, the yoke will be light. But if we continue to do what Paul's talking about in this chapter, which is to fellowship and spend time with unbelievers, to look the other direction, to go our own way, it's just going to be that much harder. And he's going to turn us around because he loves us, but it doesn't mean it won't be painful. So if you're going through, and band, come on up. If you're going through the pain, that means you guys. yeah. If you're going through something difficult right now, to the point where you're looking at the Lord and you're going, God, where are you? What's happening? Why? Or you're salty because the whale just gobbled you up and spit you out. Something you thought you wanted didn't work out. And you're going, God, why can't I have this thing? It looks so good. This guy has it. I want it too. And God says, no, 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 I got a better plan for you. So here's the thing, I'm gonna end with this. I was having a really hard time until I had this meeting with Gary and he gave me this aha moment about the yoke. We read that scripture, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that sounded like the exact polar opposite of what I was experiencing in my day-to-day life. And since then I've had this shift in my mindset. People told me how Chris, you're different, you're different. Yeah, I was different, I was frustrated. I had a lot of problems, I still have some of those problems. But I know that if I'm in the right place and I'm walking with the Lord, my yoke will be easy and my burden will be light. And I can tell you, I feel different. I walk differently. It isn't resolved, don't get me wrong. But I feel a certain peace because I know I'm walking with him. Does that make sense? So if you're not walking with him, or if you are, but it's hard, If you're off track and you just need to steer yourself a little bit back, if you're going the other direction because this looked good, but you know that the the right path is this way, this is your chance to get back on track. There's no magical prayer. We don't do that here. There's no magical words you can say. If you have a confession, you want to come before the Lord and tell him what you've been doing wrong, have a request, you want to come to the Lord and ask him to, to bless you or direct you, to guide you, if you have a, anything that's going on inside you that you just need to cry out, you just need to give it to the Lord, this is a great opportunity. We're going to sing one more song. The song is called Oh Come to the Altar. It's a great song, and I didn't even know we were doing this song tonight, but it's perfect. Because if you're where I was two weeks ago, if you're frustrated and angry and your friends are looking at you and saying, there's something wrong, You're different. Are you okay? What's the matter with you? And I'm just like, you know, if you clench your fist real tight and you're just waiting for the next fight and you're pulling against that yoke because you're just trying to go your own way and you're struggling and you're struggling and you're tired and you're tired and you're frustrated and you don't know what's going on and you finally cry out and you say, Jesus! And he says, I'm right here. You ready to get easy? You ready for it to be light? I hated it and loved Gary at the same time when he told me that. He asked me if I wanted to get together that day, and I said, no. And he's like, why not? And I said, man, I'm in a really bad place right now, and you're always so positive. I don't wanna come and be negative. I don't wanna come and rain on your parade. You're so happy, Gary. I don't wanna come and bring my Eeyore. I don't wanna bring my rain cloud to you. And he's like, well, that's the perfect time to meet. And I'm like, why are you so freaking happy? And I drove from Irvine up here to Santa Ana, and I met Gary over here at Coffee Bean. I have my little hazelnut coffee. And I was like, You want to hear it? You want to know what's going on in my head? You want to have this conversation? And I let him have everything that was going on. And at the end, he goes, Hey, Chris, go to Matthew chapter 11, read 25 through 30. And I read it out loud at the little table in Coffee Bean, feeling like an idiot. Your joke is easy and it burden. Oh, I had that moment that, Oh, I'm doing it wrong if you feel like you're doing it wrong, it's a great time to to talk to God about it. You don't have to come up. If you need prayer, you can find me in the back or find me or Shane or Jean after church. If you want to come up, that's perfectly all right. This is your time to talk to the Lord about the road you've been plowing. This is your time to talk to the Lord about the influences you're allowing in your life. This is your time to talk to the Lord about whatever's bothering you, whatever's got you negative or angry or frustrated. This is your time to just say, Jesus, I want it to be. You promised me easy in your word. You said it would be easy. I need some of that easy. Show me how to get back to easy. Because hard is wearing me down. Real church. Real people. Real solutions. That solution is Jesus.